0: Hello and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me Danny Champion, my music industry podcast where I talk to lots and lots of individuals throughout different areas of the music business, talking to them about their career, about their motivations, about what they do in the industry and everything in between. This week's chat is with Mark Brown, uh, founder of Beta. We talk to him about lots of different things, he's done a lot of different things in the industry. He's based in Sweden, so that was another interesting thing about this conversation. Talking about his uh, relationship with with all the different countries that he's what he's operated in, be that um, Canada, America, North America, be that UK, be that Sweden. We talk about his career in promo, radio promo specifically, about and about his time working in uh, Creation Records. We talked to him about setting up Beta, what it is, what it does why he's done it and the process of setting things up, setting up tech companies especially and all the other bits and pieces that him and his team are attaching to what they're doing at Beta their how to listen podcast that I have featured on so do check that out, I will link it in the descriptions and generally about the future of the music industry Mark is very much a Futurist, I guess, of sorts. Um, really keen, really interested in the tech side of the industry. So he's a really interesting person to chat to to find out about his opinions on that stuff. So here is my conversation with Mark Brown of Beta. <music> Are you? How's it going? Um, what's been happening? How's lockdown treating you? Etc. etc. etc.
1: I'm I'm good. How's it going? Good, busy. Lockdown. Oh I live in Stockholm, Sweden. So we don't have in Sweden we haven't had any lockdowns. At all. So no. So I've never worn a mask. Uh, we have no restrictions. We've never had any restrictions, but here in Sweden, they decide, um, that the people should decide their own behavior, but they do it by letting people know how important it is. So it's a very, very different tone to everywhere Mm. else. And it, it went quite well up until recently. And just like everywhere else, it's been getting a bit bad here. So, so... So I don't go very much. I, uh, you know, I, I go for walks and stuff, but I don't really go out. So I just work and I go to school for fun too. So go just to for a little for light fun. relief. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. What What is What is school for fun at the moment?
1: Then. Uh, I'm really reading. Uh, well, a couple of degrees. One in. hit <laughs> the, 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 Just the, like the
0: idea of just a couple of degrees.
1: Just well, one is called Ide Historia, which is the history of intellectual thought. It's a very Nordic degree like in Swedish. Yeah. And then I'm doing also doing a theoretical philosophy degree, so I'm reading the philosophy of math at the moment. So this week, so this week there was like 45 minutes on on zero. We spent like there was a bit, you know, we got way laid talking about zero for 45. Minutes. Amazing. But it's, it's different than what I do. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but it's different to what I do. And what, you know, working in music or running a startup like I do, like, you're always trying to achieve something, get something done, figure something out. Mm -hmm. And school is just trying to learn to understand something. And if you know it or don't know it, isn't really going to change your day otherwise. (laughs) So that's why I find it relaxing. Okay so it's like it's it's yeah
0: the, the the school bit takes you out of the the stuff that i guess matters because it's yeah it's well well, tied well zero income and stuff
1: well <laughs> the, you know zero is a very important mathematics is very important but but no you're right you're right and and you know yeah you're 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 running a business you're not um it's not, it's fun. Like, I love what I do and I've always loved working in music, but it's not, um, it's not for fun. You know, it's, I think for most people it becomes a, you start doing something because you love it and then it does become a job and then you feel a responsibility to the people you work with. When did you,
0: when did you realize that? When did you, when, when did the shift happen for you personally from, hey, I'm doing that thing that I love for fun, and it's also my job and when did it turn into, oh, this is my job, like in a bad way, well, yeah, maybe, because I think I, uh, I I completely understand that that you know we kind of when when you talk when I talk to people and say, "Oh yeah, I work in music, I do oh, it must be great, and you kind of go eh,
1: it's a job i I would think like i'm going to give you I, 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 like I can't pinpoint the time but i, I like it's when you if, you, if you work in music and you go to a lot of gigs. So when I was living in London mm-hmm. and I, I, I'd be going to a lot of gigs and then you take a friend who doesn't work in music to a gig and they're all excited. And it's like going to a gig in a lot of ways, as much as you love the bands, is like going to the office. <laughs> so you're seeing people you work with all the time. Mm-hmm. You're talking to them, you're discussing work. And I think that's, that's the time that I'm always like, Wow, this is not the same experience for me as it is for people who don't work in music because they go, they have a couple pints, they love it, it's super exciting. But if you go to gigs five, six, seven nights a week and you're there talking to people about work, talking to the band, how it went, how things are going with a release or whatever, it's not that it's not fun, but it's not, you're not just sort of closing off, chilling out. Mm. <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. always reminded. And people find it a bit weird when you're like, when they're like, oh, like, you don't seem that relaxed. Are you having a good time? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm at the office. <laughs> <laughs> what, you what, know, like, it, yeah. I was just going to say, what do you
0: do in order to find the to, to try and claw back some of that? I don't it's it's not enjoyment, because as you pointed out, you we we do enjoy it, don't we? We you know, we're we're, we're working with with stuff that we love. So that that there's a massive positive thing there, but I think you know, do you have any any techniques, or do you have anything in particular that you kind of you cling on to, to to make sure that there is that there is you know it's not just work, I guess.
1: Like I'm lucky that I think so. I was I've lived in Stockholm for four years, but when I was living in London for like over ten years, I was a radio plugger, and. I was an independent radio plugger. And Mm -hmm. so I worked on records I liked. And I think that would be in contrast to someone who worked at a major label, who if you worked at a major label, chances are you'd be working more hits, but you'd be working lots of records you maybe don't like. So I was lucky that I got to work on some bigger records, but they were bands that I liked. So no matter how hard the work is, is if you believe in what the band, if you like the band, all that kind of stuff, then it's easy. You you have tough dis- discussions with managers or the artists themselves or record labels, but the most important thing is is that you believe in the music. So they, it's never that hard because you're thinking I in some way hopefully can have a positive impact on their careers. And it's hard to be po- to be successful to gain some level of popularity. Mm-hmm. So that's the always been the key for me. If you work with people you like and respect, and you work with music because I'm not here. I, this is like, I'm not an artist. We're here for the artists. So if you can work with artists that are in being able to do what they want to do and express themselves artistically, I think that's the key. Because then you think no matter how hard the problems are, at least we're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not doing it for the sake of it. You're doing it for the passion, yeah. for the love of it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what music do you like? What's your jam?
1: Oh, like, I would say... Like when I, so I started the music business in the mid nineties in Canada, on the East coast of Canada. And around that time there was tons of indie rock. Like, so American indie rock is the thing I've always loved, but I like a lot of electronic music. Uh, I listen to a lot of Afrobeat when I have the chance, but I don't, the problem is, is I don't listen to as much music as I used to because I can't focus as much. When I was a radio plugger, I listened to music ten hours a day. So nowadays, it's more when I'm out walking around or whatever. So it's, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like I'd say, it's a mix of stuff I've always liked, and then a lot of Spotify discovery playlists and stuff, which I find helps me find things that I should have known about years ago.
0: Have you have you fully embraced? the It's not about albums anymore it's about tracks and it's about playlists and things like that
1: no i know i like I like albums because i because it's a it's a snapshot of someone making a body of work at one time mm-hmm. um but but albums you know the idea that an album is going to always a whole album is going to be great hasn't has never existed you know <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> like there are very few albums that you go, oh my god, I love it but but I'm not, no. I'm not a single track guy at all. Like I like, I like single tracks off of albums. Um, but I, and I like li- I, and I like listening to albums. So no, I, no, I'm all like single tracks, albums, playlists. They all serve different purposes. I would yeah. say. And they're all like a playlist is very important, but a mixtape's always been important. Yeah. So that's nothing new either. Yeah. I don't think.
0: No, it's it's an interesting one because with with talking to all the 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 students recently. One of the big conversations, and it's all, we're always chatting about Spotify or something like that, and yeah one of the big things is should should those genres of music that traditionally are much more bodies you know cycles of bodies of work, whether that 's an e p or an album, and you know there's a there's like always there's always a, a bunch of heavy metal guys and a bunch of indie guy you know it's guitar guitar music versus electronic music, basically, and one yeah. is. One is lots and lots of different single deals with, with labels and the other one is much longer term relationships. And I guess the, the provocative questioning that I've, that I've been going down is, should they be learning from one another? Should the, should the metal bands be doing things a bit more like hip hop hip hop artists and, and electronic music artists? And maybe should some of those um, creators be doing, doing something differently themselves? And so I'm always interested in seeing what people what people think and where that's all going because obviously the nature of of music and content and entertainment and also uh, our um, inherent attention span is shifting around because we're staring at little little windows all the time.
1: But but it's inter- it's interesting you mention that because like if you the, the for, I don't know why the What's the name of the John Niven book about the guy who works at the record label? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in that, he's talking about doing the single deal, the one off single deals, right? Which, especially in the UK music business, has been popular for years. But then, like you're talking about like metal or indie rock or whatever, it is all album based. So, like people think that it's different today, but it's the same. It, it, it's the same situation as it was twenty years ago. That certain genres of music have diff, different. Like I don't like the word digestion habits, but <laughs> different way, but different ways of listening to music, different ways of listening to music, and and what's important. And like I know you're into metal and stuff. It's like, y- you know, the metal community is a lot different than other communities, isn't all? And like that's what makes metal so exciting. Is that it? It is. It is very special. The community is a very important thing, and it stands outside of a lot of other communities. And whereas dance music is a community in itself, but it has different um, different traits or behaviors, yeah. I would say. But
0: also, I think that you can you can see kind of crossovers happening with the audiences, yeah. And but not necessarily quite as swift crossovers happening with the creators, the you know the people in the bands. kind of of going no this is how it's always been done whereas the audience is going well no actually we want it Ah, a different way and there's kind of a little bit of of
1: discrepancy I guess see so that's interesting I I didn't think of that but I was thinking when you're telling me this the one thing I do do on Spotify is I scroll down immediately to see what label the artist is on so I find one of the tracks and I scroll down and that like the idea of a record label, who cares anymore? Like, yeah. but I come from a world where you'd follow certain, and especially metal is another one where you follow certain labels to give it to give something more context or whatever. But I, I like, yeah.
0: But that's that's very much the same with electronic music as well, because we were talking about that that actually you as a fan you you would tend to follow the label because of the single releases that they were putting out, because of the the nature of the relationship between the audience and the music, because quite often the audience are playing the music out as DJs as well. So, yeah, again, everything kind of shifts around. Anyway, you've, you've talked a little bit, you've touched a little bit on your background, uh-huh. So I was wondering whether or not you could go into a little bit more detail about the journey, uh, starting off in Canada, making your way to London, and yeah, just kind of a little bit of background about how how music got into, or you got into music, and and where you where it took you.
1: So I I was, I grew up in Canada, and then my parents they still live in Calgary. 88 olympics is the big reference so and and, I, and there was nothing there was nothing really going on in calgary musically and this was this is in the 90s and back then nobody like the canadian music business was nothing you know no, no big artists and territories were still very like it wasn't one big territory it's all these different ones and so I went to school on the east coast of Canada in a small town called Halifax, or no, outside of Halifax, this really small town, and we started driving into Halifax, which was the big city, and to go to gigs, and this was when a load of bands from that area were getting assigned to Sub Pop, the label in Seattle, Nirvana's label. And we started going to gigs quite often, and it was like lots of indie rock, and Halifax is quite isolated. It's near Maine in the States, but you have to dr- you'd you have to drive up and around. Right. And, and then I hated university. I, I, ironic that I'm in university now, but I hated university. And so it's the way. Yeah. And so I, I ended up meeting someone who knew, someone who ran the premier indie label in town. And I met him one day. I went into town one day and met him. And long story short, I dropped out of university and started volunteering at this label, basically do, making myself indispensable. And then I had no money. So this guy, his name's Colin. And Colin's like, okay, well, I've got you a gig selling merch for some bands in the US. Here's a ticket to Memphis. Go to Memphis, you're gonna get in a, in a van with a band and go on tour around the US for six weeks. And so I did that a couple times. I was making some money um and then we ran a festival there and then after a couple of years we ran out of money you know the the band started to run the label themselves. so they're, they're like i'm like well i'm moving to london <laughs> as you do i guess i had just been to london i thought well shit why not so i moved to london day after i got there i got a job working at southern record distributors which is a um a very well known like at that time they did tons of drum and bass Right. Tons of drum and bass. This is 98. And like uh garage, like UK garage. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for about a year. And then the whole, all the while I was trying to get a job at a label again. And I got a job at, in the A&R department at Creation, which is Alan McGee's label. Yeah, So I was, uh, yeah, I was just like the A&R scout. So I started going to gigs all the time. And I was there for a year. And then, what what is known as the Kevin Rowland years, because that's when Kevin Rowland from Dexys put out his solo record. So then Sony bought the rest of the label. I went yeah. back to SRD. Then Alan McGee called me and he said, "Hey, do you want to be my PA at Pop Tones? He had a new label." And then a couple months in, he's like, "Mark, look, you're a terrible PA," <laughs> and I'm like, "You're right." And he's like, "Well, why don't you do why don't you do radio?" And I'm like, "Okay, sure. What does that involve?" And that's the way Alan is. It's like. Here, just do that. If you don't know how to do it, figure it out. And so the first band I started trying to get on the radio was the Hives. Okay. And the Hives, we the Pop Tones, did a compilation of previous Hives records. And it just blew up. It just, like, it's huge. So I got, like, I got them on the playlist of Radio 1, and somebody else got them on Later. And, and then Pop Tones ran out of money, and I just became a radio plugger. So 6 months before I didn't really know what the job was. And then um, next thing you know I'm doing it and then the next band I did was the yeah, yeah Yeah Yeahs. And I did a ton of loads of bands over 10 15 years or whatever and then towards the end of that I started Beta, which is the company I run now, which is a platform for sending sending and receiving digital audio. Yeah clean and simple
0: way we shall we so. shall talk about that in oh, yeah. detail don't worry yeah yeah, yeah. So, so
1: um but that's the music business part of it basically
0: yeah so how did you find i mean you you've got you kind of quite with like with a lot of people it's you fell into things there wasn't any s- seemingly kind of specific plan oh i must be a this in the music industry it was more i love music i want to work with music let's see where the wind takes me
1: yeah, yeah, and, and but but I would also say that like, I th- I think there are a lot of people that have an idea. I want I want I want X. I want these shoes, or I want to be this, and then this will happen. You know what I mean? And and my view is is like I always just think that's really limiting. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just want to work in music. So when when I got that job, working for Colin at that label. I had accomplished everything I had set out to accomplish. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so the la- the next 20 years has been sort of gravy or whatever. Like, so no, I, I'm like, I just want to do stuff that's exciting. I want to learn stuff. And I want to feel like I'm making a contribution. Because the, the antidote to the hard work and the frustration, because music business is frustrating, and even the tech world is, is knowing that you're making some sort of contribution. Because I always think, like, there's always something you can learn if you're into music, there's always another band that you might not know about, and that's sort of the
0: mm-hmm.
1: goal: is to understand things better, really. Yeah. How
0: did you? How did the uh, the plugging world evolve in the what? 14 years you were doing it was so. Was it just radio you were focusing on, or did you start yes. to drift into other areas? And oh, I, guess- I did
1: TV in the end because mm. I did. I liked trying to. Get, I liked getting people on later. Getting people on Jules Holland's show was fun because they have great taste. So it was really, how did it evolve? It was pretty much the same because it's very mechanic. You have release dates and then you work up to a release date and you try to convince people to play things. And Mm -hmm. when I started, I I just, I, you could not have done better. (laughs) Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had never done any of it before. And I had all these records on the playlist. Um, but you go in and you talk to people about music and you try to convince them that the records you, you're you working on are A, good, and or B, will be popular. So if they're good and popular, you're really onto something. Um, Was that something and, that
0: you found came quite natural to you? Because it's, it's, I mean, uh, f- from someone who's, whose background is in synchronization and there is a little bit of the sales pitch, that, the promo, plugging style things, it's just you're, you're pitching it to music supervisors or film directors or things like that rather than radio producers. Uh, but it's something that I never felt natural at.
1: I think, it would be very, I think it would be very hard if I was talking about records I didn't like, because it was easy for me to go in and say, I like this. This isn't going to be big, but it's worth a couple plays. But if I went in and said, I like this and it's going to be big and it does become big, then people start to listen to you mm-hmm. and you want to, be- and the the music business, like we can talk about it when it comes to beat them, but the music is, is about building confidence and building trust in advance of a record release because people want to support artists that are going to be successful mm-hmm. because it makes them feel good, but it also means that they're getting the right music to the right people if that makes sense like the audience are enjoying it and so they feel they're, they're, there's that connection so it, like that i think has always been the, the the situation being a plugger doing press or any of those jobs like saying i think the one thing has changed is that you just don't it, feedback you used to get feedback on a record so so a label or an artist would hire you and say oh you know what's the feedback and you'd get a little line saying this is the feedback. Now it's like the feedback is it's got played. You know, that's all we need to know. Or actually, so things,
0: more, more than likely, the feedback is they didn't, get, they didn't get back to us.
1: Yeah, the feedback is there's no feedback. Yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> but exactly. So, so I think that's the thing that's changed. Things have moved very quickly. And so why do you hire someone to do press? Or why do you hire a manager? or Why do you do all that? It's because they can help you get to these people you don't have relationships with so if you Mm -hmm. trust that person you trust that no feedback means that they didn't like it not that they didn't listen to it if that makes sense so the feedback is it got played or it didn't get played and i think that's the big thing that changed before there was a lot more time and now the volume of records is just at such a level that there's no there there's no there's no time for that feedback things Mm. move too quickly so I think for me that was the biggest change.
0: Did you, you you mentioned that you were very lucky in that you got to work with records that you liked. You you yep. chose the, the the clients effectively. Does that mean that there was there's there's no examples where you had to through gritted teeth chance your arm with something that you weren't overly uh, overly supportive of or you thought this is just got to get through this now or I'm not really, I'm not feeling this. I don't think, you know, this is, this well, there is There always
1: is. There always is. Because you can't, you, you don't, you're all your, you, like, of course, because things you take on records and you think, oh, like, I sort of like this or I like the people. Like, that's the other problem. You can be, it's easy to be clouded by people having a really good team or not having a good team mm-hmm. and thinking, I don't want to work on this no matter how much I like it. Because, again, it's very hard to accomplish things in the music business. And a lot of it's about the team. So uh, of course there were tons of times where they are like, Oh God, you know, this is too hard. But, but I, I was like, I took on too small, too many small records that I just loved. I think that's always the mistake. It'd be easier if I said, this is my fee. You know, I, I, I work with hits, that's it. And then it's like, but i'm not like that i don't care if it's going to be big or not i want to work on things i like and with people i like and so i think that was probably the, <laughs> the failure but you always work on a couple of things you think oh shit i'm not really into this but you don't know why you picked it you yeah. know because you never you never you don't want to do that because it's not it's never it, it's not the best solution really but that of course it happens it's not it, you know it, nothing's perfect there's no you never have a hundred percent precision.
0: Now, one of my, my, I think, my very first ever music job. Really tiny record label out in the out in Cambridge. Um, you know, chance 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 meeting with between my dad and an accountant on a train, put me in touch with a record label that I'd never heard of. That just so happened to be, you know. Within driving distance, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth. That's where I learnt music publishing. It's where I learnt music uh, synchronization and stuff like that. But within all of that, there was you know there were artists there that I that were tasked with you know trying to find booking agents for pop artists and things like that. So you know sales plugging jobs to kind of say we need you on board and this is what we want you to do. And I, yeah, it was something that I ne never got the hang of. Um, you know, but I try, think that's trying a good, to get behind something that I wasn't behind myself I couldn't do that
1: but that's a good but that's a good skill you've mentioned you've you've mentioned that's the second time you've mentioned that now like that's certain things you don't feel you're good at and I think that's a very positive thing that everybody thinks you've got to be great at everything and that's not that's a that's a fallacy what mm-hmm. you've got to be great at is knowing that you're not good at everything <laughs> very and, true and pick and pick and being self aware mm-hmm. to say I'm not good at that where can I is there, is, is there a way I can avoid? People say, oh, you know, you need to be good at everything. It's like that's not true at all. You just need to know that you're crap at something and either avoid having to do that or find someone to work with you. That's find how you, a build, a team, yeah, yeah. How you b- build a good team. How you build a good team. You know, you're shit at something, and the person you're working with is, sh- is shit at the opposite thing. And then it's, it's, a, it's a match made in heaven. Exactly. So, you, you know, I think it's super important to, to have jobs that – Don't go as well as you expect them to or want them to, especially early on, so you know what to try to avoid. Because I don't, you can't control everything. I think it's impossible. Yeah, very true.
0: So you've mentioned beta. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that you said it before I did, so I didn't pronounce it wrong. When you're just looking at a word and you've never heard anybody say it, you're going, is that beta? is that bita?
1: Everybody says bita, but it's beta. but it's actually beta, which is the Swedish word for exchange. But even, even with my accent, beta. I say it poorly, okay. Okay. Yeah, bita. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: so, so what brought you to start this company? Or this, uh, th- you know, what? Where did this idea come from back in twenty fifteen?
1: Yeah, so like at that time, it was it was, people were still sending out CDs or whatever, right? And so, it was just sort of the tail end of it. But then, what I started to notice was, I'm like, oh, I don't really like, you know, what they what they call watermark promo services. So like, for sending high security music out, know. and then I realized, well, like, but then I don't really like using Dropbox either, and then like. Oh, SoundCloud's sort of good for private links, but you got to send a Dropbox link at the same time for the download. And I'm just like, this is this is chaos because none of those, a lot of these, like Dropbox is not built for music and SoundCloud's built for a certain use case and these promo services are built for use case. And I realized that like, you know, it goes back to this thing about music discovery that outside of the music business if you're a normal person you just hear music comes no but but i mean like if you don't have any experience i don't mean it like that i, well, I en- like i enjoyed it it's fun. no no but but it's funny like this is a this is an audio podcast and i and he gave me he gave me the evil eye when i said that so i'm you know like you, me in you, you, when i said it normal people yeah it's just you were shooting me daggers so just for everybody anybody who's listening so, That's getting cut. so no, no, I, <laughs> oh, this is the highlight. This is the highlight. No, no. But anyway, so, so no, but people who, who just listen to music and don't work in the music business, they sort of hear things. They, it comes to them or whatever. But in, inside the music ecosystem, music discovery comes from exchanging music with people you work with, mm-hmm. like if you're an artist with your manager, or people in your band. Or like people like you and me, like if you do syncs and I'm, I, I, I do placements or if I'm a radio plugger and you work in radio or like all these kind of things, you're always receiving music from people and saying, hey, what do you think? Looking for support. And I found that. And I've had this confirmed, even my friend who works at Radio One, he said, like, you know, it would almost be better if we went back to CDs because it's so difficult to keep track of all this music that you're sending and receiving. And it means that the discovery of new things is more difficult. Uh And so that's a long way of saying that is what our sort of, that's our goal is to make it easier for people to send and receive digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way. And it comes from that problem back in 2015.
0: And as is now, who are, who, who are the main people using it? Is it artists? Is it companies? Is it labels and things like that? I was, I was looking in, I've been looking into it a few times and it's, you know, there's a big, uh, there's, a, there's a, an obvious sync application in there. Yep. So I'm just, I'm yep. really keen to, to find out who's taking it up, who's utilizing it.
1: Well, like if you notice from the pricing, it goes from being free sort of up to getting more expensive. And so we have like. You know, we we have tons of small artists, we have managers, we have small like two person record companies, bigger record companies, you know, then because of some of the features we're releasing next year, it's like. You know, we have other companies that want to build new applications on top of our. So we've got them across the board, but I think that's also what's different about us is that we want, if, if I'm a new artist and you're a new artist, we're the same as someone at a large record company. We're just wanting to share things in a different way. So we have, we have users all across all the different user profiles mm-hmm. and they all use it in a different way. So a newer artist just uploads something, sends something for free, a couple tracks to somebody they're working on, they send some stuff back but a larger record company uses it for our security features. So we have users in all of those buckets, as you Mm -hmm. call them. And
0: and I guess the the, the big question for someone who has never launched an idea like this is how do you go
1: about doing that? You've got to be even dumber than you are getting into the music business. Being naive, being naive is, is, is very advantageous because you get into the middle of it and then you can't get out. So what happened was I had a couple friends, we met in London and we, we sort of iterated it and launched a version that worked. And then we iterated it and kept going as a side project for years. And then I moved to t- Sweden 2016. And then we got going and, you know, we have customers and all that kind of stuff. And what we started to realize was that there was just so much to do because music tech is, you know, it's a wasteland of dead companies, basically. It's a, it's a very, very challenging business, But yeah. and people dis- dissuade you from that. But then I'm thinking, look, like the music business is just as hard. The idea that an artist could go from being... Completely unknown to selling millions of records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, if you told an artist, well, you have a million and one chance of doing that, they'd be like, I don't care. This is what I want to do. And so it's the same thing. You have an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, how any people have ideas all the time, no, no matter how big or how small. So we just kept going. And then we took on more people who wanted to work on the project because they thought it was important and exciting. And We got to a couple years ago and we realized that our company's based in Canada. Even though we're a distributed team, we live all over the world, right? But we're, everybody's, it's a registered business registered in Canada. Mm -hmm. So we applied for some grants and we didn't get them. And then we applied again. And so this guy, Colin, my first boss has showed back up in the picture after 20 years. He's a grant writing expert. So he joins the company. That's why I mentioned his name at the start. And he joins the company, he's like, Oh, well, why don't we try to apply for this grant? It's hard to get, but let's give it a go. We didn't get it. And then we applied again, and last November they confirmed it, $1.4 million. And it's like, oh my God, you know. So suddenly everybody quit their jobs and we've doubled our team from five to ten people in six months. So it was early on, it was very difficult because I didn't know what I got myself into. And we did it with just my own. No other external investment, just my own money, right. and everybody's hard work. And then, one, but once it, once you get in the middle of it, you can't get out. You know, you're like we've come this far. Same as any artist, you're on tour. You can't just go home, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so you just keep going. And it, it's just been getting better and better and better since that happened. But it took a it took a little while to get the money for sure.
0: And it's, and has it been you know there's five years of development and growth. Was it really small? gradual shifts and yes, changes yes. along the way as opposed to going, right, well, I guess I'm, dump- I'm just remortgaging again and I'm dumping another
1: huge. Oh, yeah. You don't say I'm going to you fall know, my money into something. Of course not. You'd be crazy. You're, you're, you're less crazy if you dump in the same amount of money over a longer period of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, but that's what it was. We made <clears throat> incremental changes and improved all, all along. And it, w- it was basically a side project. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's very expensive and so and so but then there's been you know, there's just been so many breakthroughs this year, partly because everybody was able to focus on it and execute you know what it's like. You do you have a series of different jobs. Like it's very hard to execute all the things you want to do. And getting a bit of money has really helped us to be able to focus on all the things we knew we wanted to do from a development point of view, yeah. but also from a creativity point of view, a marketing and sales point of view. So.
0: so was it, you can really see a, a kind of a line in the sand between this being kind of a part-time evening and weekends, let's see if we can do something with this, to it actually you having the investment in going right, this is the focus now, and we're actually yeah. getting somewhere yeah and if you do you what would do you think would have happened if you hadn't have got that grant i don't know you know do you th- do you think eventually doing something like this part time in inverted commas would have would have worked or do these sorts of projects need need that 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 line in the sand that that moment where you go all right let, let's,
1: let's do this 100% and, and see and hope. So the thing like, what's interesting about our product is we, we actually made, I wouldn't say it's a mistake. Our, ours is a lot more technically complicated than other ones. So we didn't cut any corners, which is probably a mistake because if you cut corners, maybe you can, you can get things done faster. Right. So I think, we, I think it would have been a very different story if we didn't get the money, but the thing is we've done things in a way like we read and write metadata and we convert file formats on the fly. And we, you know, we've got really fast, secure streaming and stuff. And those are completely unique features in the marketplace, the way we do those things. And so maybe we could have done it faster and then it it would have worked without the money, but we did it. We, we, it's the same way I approach everything I want to do it properly, mm-hmm. so I think I, I, I think we're lucky that we, we did it that way because those are the, those are the foundational things that make our product better and better for users and all those kind of things so i i don't I wouldn't like to say how it would have been if we had made it easier but less of a good product, maybe we could have got farther without any money but i'm I'm no complaints from my end because We've, I love the people I work with everybody knows everybody we've known each other for years yeah, yeah. and and we've got a product the, f- the foundation of what our product is makes it really unique which I think is a really good thing so yeah I try not to think what would happen
0: Now for DIY, for for independence, yeah. for individual DIY
1: is a good word. Like everybody talks about. Yeah, like this is. We should talk about how we listen in a second. This our yeah. the knowledge thing because, like, it is basically DIY. Like D, DIY is like punk rock. Like yeah. you know, seventies, eighties, you know, nineties stuff. And it, you 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 are right. And I but I, but I think like back to what you're saying. I think it's super important that. Like. Ultimately, we're all going to die, really. No, but it's no, true, though. And, 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 and you, have very few, you have very few chances to try something. And be, being, in a, being in a band or making music and having that creative outlet, you need, you, like if you make shit music, it's going nowhere, right? But, but if, you, if, you, if you are self-critical enough to assess... Your skills like I couldn't make music like I'm not going to be a a rocket scientist. I'm not going to go to space. I know I'm not that type of person, but I know doing this that there's a good chance for success based on like I'm self-critical enough to know that. And I think it's the same for artists. Like if you think your music's any good and you get certain feedback that it might work or you want to work in music and you have good taste and your taste matches the bands that get signed, you should totally go for it Mm because you can go work in a bank later like yeah. you can go I, but work that, in a bank and then join the music business <clears throat> at 45 yeah, yeah. but <laughs> you that's know.
0: that's the that's the, the that's the conundrum that a lot of people wanting to enter into you know it's like <clears throat> oh i want a job well there's there, there's still work out there but you know especially at the moment there's lots of people that are oh, it's that, you terrible know, they're, right they're streamlining oh, said, things etc etc yeah. but the whole industry is is designed now to to make it easier better for the individuals to, to, to carve out their own path, but it means you have to put it first. You can't do it in the background of that nine to five day job. It has to be the other way around and that's a yeah. n- massive, massive leap.
1: But, and you, but, but this, this is another thing I think about all the time. Like, like in the 90s, a big problem in the 90s was that the, the, was the, the, the commercialization of the four track. So it, everybody can get a four track and make music. And the, the, it's the, the, the democratization of music making. But suddenly you've got loads of shitty indie rock bands because anybody can make music. So then how do you figure out and then comes along, comes garage band comes along and that kind of stuff. And like Spotify is great because everybody can get their music on there. But that's not the first step. the it, it, or it's only the first step, this idea, put it on Spotify and they will come is you, you, you need, like, how do you, how do you get noticed? And then we're back to this idea of music discovery. And that's what, how we listen. What we talk about is, is like, we've got this, you know, our mission statements, basically to give artists and their teams, the tools and the knowledge to be successful. Mm -hmm. So the tool is beta. It makes it easy for people to listen to music, but the knowledge is about this whole idea that if you just read Spotify's press, you'd think that's all people do, is they listen to Spotify, they press a button, and then suddenly they, they know about every band ever. Mm-hmm. Or, or a band just puts their music on Spotify and, and they become popular. And through this series of interviews we started doing a year ago, you start to realize everybody has different ways of finding out about music. And then that's, and it's back to all this, that y- you can't just expect that there's one limit your way things are gonna happen. Yeah, so yeah. if you want if you want to work in music as as someone in the industry or if you want to be an artist, how do you do that? You need to you need to know more now than you did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because 20 years ago was just getting into the label. You get a job somewhere and you're in. But now it's like, well you don't even need a job, you DIY, you can do it yourself. But it is like holy shit, what 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 does that involve? I don't even know. And so we spend a lot of time we're gonna do even more next year on this kind of stuff. Cause how many have you lot- done?
0: How many of the how we listen or how well we do
1: one every week? So oh, okay. you did one. Sorry, I, I did. forgot early in the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, so, yeah. so so like we do one a- we what we do one a week. So that's probably fifty this year. And then we've turned it into its own micro site, and we do like I do online. I'd, like I've done panels, live panels. I'm doing online versions next year. Cool but then but there's loads more to it because i think it's very and i think this is must be what your students talk about all the time it's like you just don't know what to do there's a lot of information out there and you're trying to figure out what are the next steps like diy is good if you know the steps yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. and and but
0: there are there are so many staircases that you can go through as well so what quickly like Continuing on from from that that how we listen series, what have you learned? What are some of the big standout things that lots of people have said? Touching on, uh, you know, are, are there some? You know, are are you crunching the 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 data that's coming from those what, interviews at all?
1: Well, well, I've done like, mm-hmm. I, I've done a couple talks about it actually. So so one I did, what one of the big things is like it. <laughs> It is about this music discovery thing. So, so if you're sharing music with people, make sure they can listen to it. So, you know, and that comes out of our business. That's a really important thing. It's like, if you're looking to get a booking agent, don't attach an MP3 <laughs> in an email because they're not going to listen to it. You know, it, you've got to make it very easy for people if you're looking for their support because you notice that a lot. People say in their interviews, I get loads of it, like people in A&R, who do A and R? They're like, oh, I get loads of music with that doesn't have any tags in it, no metadata, and I import it in iTunes and I can't listen to it. And that's a practical thing for a I lot of people. I used to get students.
0: it all. I used to get it all the time as a supervisor. And you'd be surprised at how big the company but, but, but was, it's, And you just it's get track taught. one, track two, track three, and that was it. You just think, I don't
1: know what that is. <laughs> it's not taught in school because, it, and so that's the biggest one. But then, it, like other interesting things, like. If, uh, like a year, a year and a half ago, I remember reading about what was it called? Car thing. Spotify were doing a dongle that looked, did you ever see that? It looked like an air freshener. Vaguely. Like, yeah. So, like, it looked like a Spotify car air freshener that you put on the vent. And I'm like, why the hell are they doing that? And then, over a series of how we listen to interviews, like, sort of in the last half of last year, everybody's talking about how they listen to CDs in their car and it's like why is that because we're all broke <clears throat> and this is different ages different countries and it's like people have older cars but if you're in your car it's a great place to listen to music un, you know un, like you know with full attention right yeah. and 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 so it made sense that Spotify was looking it was like one of these last areas that mm-hmm. they hadn't dominated the market well so the other
0: did- the other thing there is since i did my interview uh, for that, where I was one of those people that says the only CD player that I own is oh, in is my Oh, was it car. you? Were you one of them? Oh, I, shit, was, okay. I was. I yeah. was one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. am no longer that person. Though. What do you do now? I what have do you do now? well, I have a new car, and it doesn't have a CD player in it. Yeah. So I no longer own a CD player. In fact, the CD player. I have is in the drawer here and I have to plug it into my computer if I want to use it. Oh my God. I, I don't,
1: don't even do have that. that anymore. But, but that's like, that's <laughs> another good thing that like that that, that, that listening habits change. So mm-hmm. I think, you, you know, for, for, for those same people, your students and people who want to be in the music business, want to be artists, like again, there's no one way to do things. And if there was one way to do things six months ago, it might not be the way to do it now. Touring being case in point. Yes. That last December, touring was the key to everything. Yep. This December, not so much.
0: No, not so much. So to finish up, then okay. you said that you've got lots to you've got lots ahead. So what okay. is ahead
1: in twenty twenty one that you can shout about? We, I'll tell you some of my favorite stuff. So um, on. on i'm from calgary as i said and when i left there was nothing going on there musically and about 10 years ago this amazing festival called sled island started and i'm i think they're the best festival in canada and i've known them for years and we've been talking to them and they they have a conference side so going back to this how we listen stuff i i go to all these conferences and i talk and i listen to people and i thought a lot of these people on stage get pretty shitty advice and I think it's important that people get good advice. That's un, unbiased, just straight up. This is, these are the things you need to know, irrespective of if it makes me money or not. Mm-hmm. And so sled Island we're we're going to help them run their conference in uh, next year, awesome. June, 2021. But right now we're doing this series of online events called Tete which are just online conversations about things that we find interesting. So the first one is, next week, which is the start of December. So this will be a couple, it'll already have passed, but it's called Lockdown Radio and it's about the new internet radio in a time of restricted movement. So it's with these Radio Ahara guys. One of them lives in Bethlehem and it's a total online thing because I think a lot of people don't understand how if you were from the Gaza Strip, for example, you can't really go anywhere. But now everybody, because of the way it's been through COVID, I think people understand that You need to learn to communicate and exchange ideas with people without going anywhere anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one we're doing, and we're doing more January all through the festival in June. Uh, There'll be some more how we listen stuff. Then let's see, with the the product beta itself, oh, God, loads of updates, a complete redesign, which was coming up, iPhone, Android apps, and API, so people can build stuff on top. Um, but the one thing I should mention that people might be interested in is we started this beta program, which is for, for we have different groups, but for like students or people who love to test products early, what they do is they get a free artist account in exchange for giving feedback. Okay. And we only started a couple months ago and it's been amazing. Like it, it because we talk to people all the time about the frustrations they have and they have direct input you know what it's like you use all these apps it's not like you call google and say can you move that button and <laughs> in this case you can it's, but it's true though yeah. like and in this case this beta program it's amazing because we talk to our users all the time because so many of them are busy you know, we don't have a relationship with any of them because they're off doing their work but mm-hmm. there are others who are really interested in that and so that's one of been one of the best things so Be more of that. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, the conference. There's loads of other things to announce that I can't even think off off the top of my head. Amazing. Thank you so much
0: for chatting to me. Thanks a lot. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Massive thanks to Mark for taking the time to chat to me. Really, really appreciate it. Great guy. Love to have another conversation about more about kind of the way things are going in the industry. Um, If you are interested, do check out the How You Listen uh, blog. I will put that in as a link in the description. Um, Do reach out to me via socials. At Danny Champion on Twitter, at Dan M Champion on Instagram. Do email me behind the business at gmail.com. Love to hear from people. Massive thank you, as always, to everybody who listens to these. Um, I do these because I want to, um, very much so. I don't have to do this. So, really, really appreciate you listening, taking the time out, getting in touch. So, thank you very much for that. And I will speak to you all again very, very soon.